Welcome to the Edge of Sports Podcast. I'm Dave Zirin. I'm so thrilled that this week we have on one of my heroes since I was in college. I mean, I can't believe we're going to talk to him. Mahmoud abdul Raouf, former NBA player, uh, pushed out of the league for being a man of conscience. And I look forward to speaking to him. He's got an autobiography out called In the Blink of an Eye, which is available at KaepernickPublishing.com and everywhere books are sold. It's co-authored with Pulitzer Prize winner Nick Childs. The forward is by our friend Howard Bryant. And I just couldn't be more excited to speak to him. So let's get him on the line right now. Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. So, Mahmoud, I'll start right away with you. I've already given you a big old introduction and, you know, and give props to Nick Childs and Kaepernick Publishing and all the rest of it. Um, but my, my question for you is, it's been a quarter century since your life changed when you chose to challenge the compulsory patriotism at sporting events. I'm sure you had offers to write a book in the last quarter century. Why did you decide now to do it? Timing is everything. Uh, I, I believe, Dave, that uh, I finally was able to put my thoughts into words in a coherent way, right? To put them into context. And then when I look at all that's happening now uh, with what happened to Kaepernick, you know, the social political movements of athletes, and then that, 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 that place, the, the countless speaking engagements that I go on and just hearing from the public, how they feel that, you know, felt that this is a story they felt need to be told. So putting all those things together, I said, you know what, the timing is now. Mm. Now the title, the title in the blink of an eye is extremely interesting. Could you speak about the title, please? You know what? Uh, I actually didn't come up with it. It, it. it was brought to me, but immediately when I heard it, I said, wow, I love it because you know, life happens, things happen fast, you know, and when, you know, we always say that, uh, you know, I, I look at my career, for example, coming out of, uh, of LSU, and I remember saying to myself when I was there, I said, man, it seems like it's all happening too fast, right? But, but also, you know, you correlate that to my game, you know, they said, well, hey, he had a, you know, quick trigger. But also you look at the, the other side of it as well, Sometimes all it takes is one thing, you know, one statement, you know, uh, one choice that could also change it in the other direction and can happen that fast. Mm. So that's why I, I ended up saying, you know, let's go with that. Let's go with that title. I mean, a quarter century ago, did you ever think we'd be just discussing the choices you made in 2022? <laughs> I mean, did you think that this was going to reverberate? or were you just in the moment? You know what? Uh, yes and no. Uh, and I say that because, I mean, with me, you never know if you're gonna be here. Mm -hmm. but, but, but at the same time, when you study history, you know, there's always these, this, this space with, it seems, activism, you come to athletes or what have you. So, you know, you're familiar, I'm sure, with all of them, the Muhammad Ali's, the Tommy Lee's, John Carlos's. And uh, because there's always these issues. And at some point, 
an athlete and entertain, somebody's going to say something and do something. Mm. So, yes, but I didn't know I was going to be here to experience, you know, to experience it. Mm. Why do you think it is that athletes, um, as opposed to say, you know, like movie stars or even musicians are able to have this impact on society? And that, you know, you have this discernible tradition that, as you said, runs through the Muhammad Ali's, Tommy and John, and straight through uh, yourself uh, and into Cap and uh, the women of the WNBA. I mean, there's so many examples that you can throw down with. Um, why do you think it is that athletes have that political tradition? Man, that's a great question. That's never been asked to me. But if I'm, if I'm shooting for an answer right now, I look at the terrain that we we we're, you know that we're in. You know we're competitors. We, we're constantly banging and fighting. The the, the type of grueling, the, the type of abuse we put you know put our bodies through. And and I think at some point I say this all the time. I said, man, I'm not going about to train like this, and and these near death experiences, and then come out on the court and just let you do whatever you want to do. So when I look at that. Maybe that at some point it correlates because they say sports, all the things you learn in the get in, in athletics, these qualities you take, you know, outside of athletics, you know, the competitiveness, the sacrifice, the discipline. So Bruce Lee, and I say this, he has a story about a protege. And he said, let's run. He didn't want to run. They ended up running. He added two, three miles to it. The man's about to die. Bruce ain't died in. Mm-hmm. Then he kept. Then he got mad. He started running. And after they finished, he said, "Why were you so hard on him, Bruce?" He said, "Because once you give up in life, there are carryovers, right? You you know, you give up on your family. You give so with sports is that way, you know. So at some point, I think, you know, say, so you know what? I don't. I'm tired of just playing the game, you know, and pretending. I don't like the way that feels. So maybe that's a part of it. I don't know. That's but that's a good question." And that's a great answer. Uh, it reminds me of, I, I once asked this former NFL player, Dave Megacy, a similar question. And he answered very similar to, to what you said. He said, hey, we're athletes. We hate to lose. Yeah. <laughs> Which is basically what you said as well. Um, it's like when, when you have that level of competitiveness and you see injustice, I guess you're going to go after it in a and, very dangerous way. For sports, it's... And, you know, in, in acting, I'm not, I don't know the acting world. I, I know there's improvising there, mm-hmm. but in sports, there's a whole lot more of it. You know, you know, it's not like a script. I have lines and I say, you never know, you have plays, but you never know what the game is going to give you. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're always trying to strategize and find a way to conquer your opponent. So it's that mindset of, hold on, one, I don't want to be conquered. And mm-hmm. if I feel like you're doing that, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so it's about, let me, let me see if I, you know, uh, can bring about a change this way or that way. So I, I, I think there's a correlation there. Mm. You know, I, I think a question that e- you should ask every author is who are the authors that inspire you? Oh, wow. uh, either political theorists, it doesn't have to be any particular type, but just someone who's written word makes Mahmoud abdul Rauf say, you know, this is how you do it. Man, there's so many, uh, Dave. Um, you know, my personal, you know, I have a mentor. I love his writing, yeah, Muhammad Alasi. But, you know, man, I can, you know, Noam, Noam Chomsky, I like his writing. Uh, I like Arundhati Roy's writing. Uh, 
uh, Randall Robinson, Kawanza Kunjufu, uh, Amos N. Wilson, um, I mean, Howard Zinn. Um, there's so many, oh my, I'm, I'm afraid I'm gonna miss some people. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's just a laundry list. Uh, um, Israel Shahak, mm. you know, he has, he has a lot of, you know, information out there that I really love. So, uh, man, just a host. Mm. And, and that, that, that was something for me, I'm glad you asked that question. You know, when I became a Muslim man, I, my whole dynamic in terms of the people that were inspired me beginning, began to change. You know, initially it was athletes when I was younger, the Dr. J's, you know, all of that. But then when I started reading more and I'm fascinated by how people think, like, man, how did he come up? How did she come up with that idea? And how was she able to transition, make it so, you know, so coherent and make sense? And it was just fascinating to me. You know, not only was I learning, but I was being amazed at just how people are able to put that on paper and make it make sense. That's why when I look at comedians nowadays, it's, I hardly ever laugh mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, wow, how did, I love the way they put that together. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm more fascinated in that. And it's just amazing to me. Mm. That, that, yeah, I know, I hear you. You know, most people who achieve this, <clears throat> this consciousness that you represent, do it with the aid of a mentor, a teacher, a professor. Uh, in some cases, a parent. Uh, who, for you, were the people that 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 really rose you up? All of those authors I just mentioned. <laughs> it, no, seriously, it doesn't have to be necessarily always a physical person. Hmm. That's a person that wrote ideas on the paper that you know that you're receiving information from. But the Muhammad Elasis were definitely one of them. Salahuddin. Imam Musa, and, and literally on the road, I, I don't remember all of their names. My best education for me literally happened when I was in the NBA, when I traveled, after I became Muslim, because people would come, and not everybody that I met were Muslim. You know, I had a professor at, at, at a LSU, I can't remember his name, it was political science class. Man, I loved his, he invited me to his home. I loved the way he talked, you know, and, 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 and the way he explained things. And so all of these people were mentoring me. They were handing me uh, information, but they were also giving me lists of books to go get. Mm. And so that was my, literally the things we talked, some of them had different disciplines. Some of them were good in history. Some of them were good in, you know, other uh, uh, political science, uh, religious studies. And I would just, we would sit up for hours and talk and I would just try to consume everything I possibly could. And then I go out and get the book and I started reading. And then that's when, mm. you know, the shift began to happen drastically for me. And mm. you come across, you know, these sayings like Arundhati Roy, once you see something, you can't unsee it. To be silent, to say nothing is just as political and active speaking out, either way you're accountable. Then you come across, you know, hey, stand up for justice, even if it's against yourself. And just so many, you know, so many, I'm like, whoa. And these are great leaders, great thinkers saying this. And these are people we admire, mm -hmm. right? Now that they're dead, we we admire them. I'm like, no, my goodness, you know. So I want to be like that. Mm -hmm. That's where it's at. These people talk like with a sense of freedom, like they could care less. They were so comfortable with the truth. I don't care about. No, I'm I'm delivering this. They were comfortable, and I admired that because that's not that's that, it's not what I had, and I wanted it, you know, for myself, mm -hmm. you know. So. Yeah, 
huge influences. You know, uh, let's talk about the book because I, I want people to purchase and read this book. If folks are short on money, I want you to go to your library and ask them to purchase this book. I mean, it's it, it's so terrific. One, one of the things about the book is you go through uh, your, your childhood, which is an incredibly wrenching and powerful story. And as I was reading it, I, I, I was like, I know what question I want to ask Mahmoud. I want to ask, how did growing up as you grew up and being, you know, the size that you are, like what gave you the audacity to think that you could be you? You know what, I was blessed, Dave, to, you know, I had my doubts like most people. You know, you question yourself. But at the same time too, I grew up, you know, and I, I credit my grandmother, aunt and uncle more than anything because they kept me at that time in the church. And they kept me believing in someone bigger than myself, or being bigger than myself. And that being had the power to change your destiny. You know, so for me as a little boy, I would constantly pray a lot. You know, even though I had my insecurities and doubts, but I prayed a lot. And the more I moved toward what I was praying, I started to see like, hold on, I'm making some headway here, right? There is something here. I just have to keep working on it and, and developing it. And that's something that eventually, and then, and then it's what you, what, you, what you consume. Like I was, I was so determined. All on my walls, I got Dr. J and Michael Jordan, and this is what I'm consuming every day. This is what I'm dreaming. I'm, you know, as they say, so as you think it, so shall it be, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm starting to put all of those things in motion. And as I'm doing that, you hear things, you feel things like, wow, this was a little easy to, to do than the last time, right? And, and, and then as, that, as it goes, you develop confidence along the way. You say, hold on, man, I, I, I think I'm on to something. I, I, I can literally, I think this is something that I can do. You know, I have natural, I'm quick. I can compete athletically. With, with anybody and so I just have to choose and then I have to I have to believe so um and I and I was also Dave I mean at that age it it was also an issue of life and death for me so that was something that you know people talk about this concept of you know they don't I don't like to use the word fail but you know afraid to fail and so that was a part of it um, I didn't want, I'm like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to fail and I don't want to work at a nine to five and I, you know, and you have visions and dreams of doing stuff. And, and so a part of it, man, was, was that too. It's like, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. If I don't make it in basketball, my life is over. This is all I got. There was no B or C option. Mm -hmm. And so, so you have to have an attitude, you know, it's like, man, I, this is between me and you eating. Mm -hmm. And I developed that in the fourth grade, mm. <laughs> you know, so that's what got me up in the morning. So that that's what created the audacity, mm -hmm. you know, you know, and, and the grit. Yeah, the grit is the word for it. Uh, was the community supportive, you know, realizing the talent in their midst? Or was it more like, look at you, what makes you think you can do this? A combination of both. Okay. <laughs> I'm a, no, I, look, I heard like, look, man, nobody's really ever made it. Um, 
uh, this, I mean, until I found out, okay, you had the Purvis Short brothers and all of that, but oh, nobody's ever really made it and you're too small. Uh, I heard it, but I also had people like Pop, we call him Pop and Benny and other people. And uh, uh, they would come to me, Doc, you know, keep it up. And then Boo, Cooper and all of those guys when I'm in the fourth grade, we got him first pick and giving me the rock and, and motivating me. So it was a mixture mixture of the both uh, of both of them mm. you know you write and obviously you speak so passionately about hoops and you know that that connects with me on a on a really uh, deep level when you took your stance did you ever think for a second that they would try to take it away from you that that was at risk that that was on the table yes and no the no is because there's a part of me, obviously, I'm always trying to think the best of human beings. Mm -hmm. I know we have a bad side, you know? So I'm like, look, man, I'm a people's person. You know, I'm approachable. Um, and what I'm saying ain't, it's, it's true. It's not not true, right? It's not like I'm saying something just really ridiculous you can you can back you can back this stuff up uh so part of that reason you know i'm like ah no nah, it's not it's not going to get to the level but history of course you know the examples of of it happening so it was a combination uh yes and no yes and no um, i wasn't surprised mm. when it did happen and at the same time i was prepared for it because i'd already made my mind up Somebody, oh, I was on, I can remember being on the balcony one time and I was on the phone. I say, man, I just became Muslim, changed my name. Uh oh, what about your endorsements? Mm -hmm. I said, I can care less about endorsements. Mm -hmm. I don't care about that. That's not why I did what I did. Become mm -hmm. a Muslim. So I'm saying that to say all of these reasons, I'll, I'm not surprised because I know that's a possibility, but that's not my, my reason is because I want to live a life the best I can, as true to myself as I can, with what I believe. And uh, I want to stand up to that because most of my life I hadn't. I've been conditioned because we grow in a culture where we're conditioned to just play the game. Don't hurt people's feelings. You might lose your job. You might lose this. I don't want to live like that. And so at that moment, I said, you know what? I'm working toward getting to the point where I'm free, like mm -hmm. literally that I'm going to live with this free conscience and free soul. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I got to work toward that. And that's when I start taking those steps. And so uh, that's, that's how it came about. So I wasn't concerned, Dave, with literally, I wasn't concerned with losing anything because you can't, this is just my humble opinion. You can't give whatever God has for me. You can't, you can't keep it from me and whatever he don't have for me, you can't give it to me. You might think you can, it's the projection of you having that power, but it ain't real power. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. So I say it is what it is. I'm going to just keep walking my way. And if, if I got to go through this test of losing. Right. And suffering. Look great. And I'm not saying I'm a leader, but you, know, you had people, everybody look, that take took those positions. They've gone through that. If it means that much to you. You know, like you say you do, you're going to take that risk. And I, I'm still doing it and I, I don't have any uh, regrets for it. Mm. And I'm comfortable with it. And I'm also that person, Dave, look, if you have it, if I throw something out there and, I, and I've learned that too, like 
listen, I know I'm not going to always be right. But if, it, if it's something I feel is correct and I believe it, I'm going to throw it out there. Mm. And that's the only way you're going to know what people think. Now, if you throw something back at me and it makes sense, I don't have the I don't have arrogance. I don't have the pride like I'm going to deny it anyway. Right. I'm going to say, you know what? I'll submit to the truth if it makes sense to me. And uh, yeah, so I wasn't concerned with that at all. Wow. Um, how much did it matter to you about whether or not other NBA players had your back or uh, didn't have your back, like in your consideration of it, the union as well? Like, did the, did, who had your back? The first, the answer to the first question, it mattered and it didn't matter. Okay. It mattered because, you know, you would think, right, when, you, when you're going out there like that, especially if, like a lot of us, for example, in particular, you already know, after football and, and baseball, uh, basketball, predominantly black, right? So a lot of us come out of the similar socioeconomic conditions. We've experienced similar or the same things. So, and we have these conversations on the buses, on the planes, constantly. So when this happens and you don't see that, it's like, wow, really? You know, it's, it's saddening more than hurt. You expect it because of the conditioning over the years and what we just talked about. But it still hurts because you want to see people, like if, if you had some knowledge and you felt it was correct, you want people to, you want to tell people and you want them to feel the same way about it. But you understand that people won't. But it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt because of your love for wanting to see certain people at, in certain places in their consciousness, mm -hmm. right? Not that you don't have it all, but but on the other end, it doesn't bother you because my thing is, look, it's about the truth, whether you like it or not, mm -hmm. right? If, if, if it resonates, take it. If it don't, I can't control what you accept and what you don't. All I can control is myself. Mm. And we all gonna have to answer when it's all said and done, when our careers are over, when our life, life is over, you know, I don't want regrets. That's one of my greatest concerns, being on my deathbed. And figuratively, if I could literally see God and God is communicating with me, and he says, Mahmoud, what do you have left? I want to be able to say, I don't have nothing left. I gave you everything. I use everything you gave me. And so I don't want to have that, 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 those regrets like, man, I should have stood up for this. I mm -hmm. saw that. I should have said something about that. And I didn't. And we know as human beings, you know, I know when we hear something, we see something and it ain't right. And we don't do anything about it. We can try to hide it as long as we want. We know at that moment we were cowards mm. and you got to live with that. You go to sleep and that started pricking my kind. I'm like, man, I don't like the way this feels at all. And I wanted to get rid of it. And so that's, I, I and I know, like everything, if you want to be great at it, what do they tell you? Practice. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, that's when I started learning how to tell people no, throwing stuff out there. Oh, and feeling the discomfort of, darn, well, he said this and she said this. I ain't like the way that felt. And you get used to that, just like just like the game of basketball. Somebody cross you over, dunk on you. Oh, man, okay, I'm going to come right back at you. Mm -hmm. Right? And so... That's been that's been that process for me and, and how I've been navigating through it. 
Wow. Uh, You've been so generous with your time. I don't see how anybody can hear you and not want to get go deeper and read this book in the blink of an eye. No, no, no. I mean, it's just like to hear you speak is like makes you want to read this book. Uh, But I'd be remiss to let you go if I didn't ask you just one piece of fluff here. Uh, Let's just—I gotta ask you some fluff because I do love this game. Game has changed. So, two-part question: Do you like today's game compared to when you played? You know what? I like it, uh, but it's different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But but I I, I do like it. I, not always. <laughs> I, I I mainly watch it, Dave. When if I'm watching it and it's competitive, they're going at each other. I'll stay tuned. When I when I feel that they're just kind of going through the motions, I can't watch it. And so most of the times I watch it, obviously it's playoffs, you know, but uh, I mean, I love the fact that guys are, you have all of these different six, nine, six, 10, they're handling the rock, they're cutting, they're passing, they're shooting the three, finishing. That's, that's the way basketball, I mean, when it's all said and done, you should have that type of skill level. I don't like the fact that there's so many, it seems like there's a concentration on threes so when a guy go in and he'll have a two-pointer and he'll kick it out to the three, you know what I mean? That that's like I'm like, huh? And and so, and that's other things, but I love the skill level of mm-hmm. what I'm seeing, how skilled for these guys. And I even when I was young, I felt that way. When I would go overseas and I would see big guys in guard drills and guard drills and big guys, that's what I was trying to convince people when I was young. I'm like, why? Why are you? Telling this guy, no, you just go to the post. What if we need him? What if you, he's playing Shaq and he's like 220 and Shaq is 300 and something. You ain't posting Shaq up. You want to take Shaq out, put him, put it on the floor. But if you don't have those skills, you can't do that. So you want to prepare for every scenario. But anyway, I love that part of it. Mm. And how, you know, people know this era, far less hand checking, uh, yep. far less physical pace and space. How would 25-year-old Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf do in today's game compared to when you played? You know, well, with the right coach, not trying to put handcuffs on you, I definitely, definitely believe in my abilities. I definitely, it, it, would, it would be, in a sense, easier because they don't have the hand checking. You know, when you can't hand check, it's like, it's like shooting practice, especially if you're quick. And you get, you know, you get your shot off. It's like, especially using a pick and roll. Uh, so definitely, I believe it would have been a whole different ball game. I think. And, and with uh, Golden State, they don't even have a green light. They have a fluorescent light. <laughs> and so, you know, as a player, when, when you have, you take your freedom and have your freedom, the goal is no longer here. The goal is here. Well, shoot, with Golden State, that fluorescent light, the goal looks like this. It's a whole different level. Yeah, not not just saying this. I think you'd be a twenty-eight point a game, Lillard-esque statistic guy. I love Lillard. I love Lillard. Yeah, it's a similar. He don't waste a lot of dribbles when he go into his move. He don't over dribble a lot. That's right. Yeah, and, 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 especially- I, and that, that's another thing I don't like about the game. You got guys, and they <laughs> I'm like, man, come on, get your get your shot off quick or pass the ball. Exactly. <laughs> Keep moving it. You know, you know this, that part of the story of you releasing this book is that it's on Kaepernick Publishing. 
of course, started by Colin Kaepernick. Uh, why was that important to you? You know what, man? We have our stories are, are similar. You know, what happened to me, what happened to him. Uh, I, th I thought it was just a great marriage. You know, so many similarities in our stories. And, and also, you know, Cap Publishing, I think, by far, I don't know about others, but for what I'm hearing, has the best deals, <laughs> you know, for authors, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to publishing. And so that was definitely uh, a selling point as well. Wow. And I ask this of everybody who comes on the show, and I'm actually particularly curious what your answer will be. Uh, what music are you listening to right now? Oh, wow, man. I'm always listening to some old school, but I, oh, God dang. Uh, man, I'm listening, I got like, I don't know if you know anything about Van Hunt. You mm. know anything about Van Hunt? I don't. Oh, man, you got to get with him. All right. Uh, download. You know I still listen to a, a lot of old stuff, man. I listen to Women and Men. I listen to Adele. You know, I got Van Hunt. I mean, I listen to the. I, there's a woman I like, like Algebra Blissett. Uh, man, the li the list along uh, Snow Allegra. You know, um, yeah. I don't, it's hard to, to 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 mention them all now, but yeah, a whole bunch of people. Van Hunt. I, I'm just saying this. I mean, he's a Grammy Award winner. He's incredibly established. I'm looking forward uh, to listening to him. He's also uh, 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 married to uh, Halle Berry. Um, <laughs> wow. yes. Well, it says partner. I don't know if they're married, but that, that's... <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, I noticed it when I looked him up. I, was, I did a triple take. I was like, wow, a Grammy. Wow. And then I was like, oh, wow. And I, and I listened to my daughter and my son because they had the music. Oh, awesome. Well, the book is called In the Blink of an Eye, co-written with Pulitzer Prize winner Nick Childs. His name is Mahmoud, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Everybody should get this book, In the Blink of an Eye, available now at KaepernickPublishing.com and everywhere books are sold. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. We'll be back right after this, but first, a quick word from the sponsor of this podcast, The Nation Magazine. Okay, look, the need for independent journalism has never been more important, and The Nation brings it each and every week like they've been doing since 1865. I'm serious. This is what you gotta read. It's The Nation Magazine. Go to thenation.com slash subscribe, and please never forget that when you support The Nation magazine, you are also supporting the continued existence of this podcast. So please subscribe. Go to www.thenation.com slash subscribe. And now, back to the Edge of Sports podcast. And now I've got some choice words. Okay, look, when... Golden State Warriors superstar Steph Curry received his NBA championship ring on Wednesday night. The crowd roared. But the team captain, instead of basking in the moment, quieted the arena and said, we want to continue to use our platform and the opportunity to shout out a very special member of the basketball community. Brittany Griner's birthday is today. She's 32 years old. We want to continue to let her name be known and we pray. Curry then accurately called Griner wrongfully incarcerated. 
in Russia and in a pointed statement that the Biden administration said, we hope that she comes home soon, that everybody's doing their part to get her home. This brought Griner much needed attention. She believes she is being forgotten and that makes Curry's reminder all the more important. But she will need more than prayers. The basketball star facing nine years in a Russian prison camp for the crime of possessing two vape cartridges in her luggage is suffering. According to an article in the New York Times, this world-class athlete is only allowed outside for one hour a day. She shares a small cell with two other prisoners. Showers are twice a week. Only recently was she afforded a bed that could fit her six foot eight inch frame. The building is stone, so as her attorney, Alexander D. Boykoff, told the Times, when it is hot outside, it's too hot. And when it's cold outside, it's too cold. Arranging calls to her family has proven to be a near impossibility. She has not been able to speak to her parents or her siblings since her February arrest, and only spoken to her wife, Sherelle, twice. Boykoff said after visiting Griner, she has not been in as good condition as I could sometimes find her in. She is not yet absolutely convinced that America will be able to take her home. She is very worried about what the price of that will be, and she is afraid that she will have to serve the whole sentence here in Russia. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says securing the freedom of those imprisoned abroad is his top priority, which also includes another person from the United States imprisoned in Russia, Paul Whelan. And yet the efforts to negotiate her release by former ambassador to the United Nations, Bill Richardson, have reportedly been discouraged by the administration. Richardson is, quote, cautiously optimistic that he can strike a deal to secure their freedom by the end of the year. He has had results in the past freeing U.S. citizens from autocracies. But as the Times reported, U.S. officials have publicly discouraged such private negotiations saying that they are not helpful to their efforts. This is a standard position of the government in these matters, especially when dealing with a country that has hostilities toward the United States. Yet it's also absolutely the wrong posture. If Richardson can make a deal, then that should be supported and celebrated. If he is full of hot air, a distinct possibility, then let that be exposed by his failure to secure her freedom. Joe Biden says he will speak to Vladimir Putin at the forthcoming G20 conference in Bali only if freeing Griner is the first order of business. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said that they have not received a serious counteroffer to their efforts at a prisoner swap, which certainly implies that Biden's people offered Russian arms dealer Viktor Boot, whose release was previously thought to be Putin's goal in targeting Griner. If Putin is in fact refusing boot and refusing to even negotiate with the Biden administration, that suggests a far longer road for Griner. This wouldn't just be hostage diplomacy, this would be the gleeful taking of a hostage. Even with Russia's strict drug laws, nine years for two cartridges is unheard of. This has nothing to do with weed, of course. It is the price for the U.S. response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine and a price for the global absence of peace. And yes, the U.S. would have a firmer leg to stand upon if it today offered blanket amnesty to every single person being warehoused in our prisons for marijuana possession. Now, one fascinating detail that emerged from the interviews with her attorneys is that Griner is passing the time by reading Dostoevsky's 
profoundly depressing novel, Demons, the theme of which is that God's existence is affirmed by the presence of suffering. Griner's ordeal brings to mind, however, a quote from perhaps his most famous novel, Crime and Punishment, in which he writes, break what must be broken once and for all, that's all, and take the suffering on oneself. The very least we should do is take the words of Steph Curry to heart and continue to hold a candle for Griner, continue to demand that the Biden administration do all it can, including the use of private negotiators, and take Griner's suffering as our own. We'll be back right after this with a quick word from Edge of Sports. Hey, everybody out there. This is Dave Zirin with the Edge of Sports podcast. People got to know that we put this podcast on with elbow grease and, and bubble gum on a weekly basis. And we're proud of the work that we do. We love it. But we can't do it without support from you, the listener. So please go to patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod and support the podcast. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. Any little bit you might give to support the podcast actually makes a huge difference to the work we're trying to do. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. We appreciate you. Make no mistake about it. And now, back to the Edge of Sports podcast. And now it's time for the Just Stand Up and Just Sit Your Ass Down. The Just Stand Up Award stand up. goes to, I mean, I just want to say her name, El Nasrik Gabi, uh, the Iranian climber who um, just competed in this past weekend's Asian Continental Championships without a hijab uh, amid the protests uh, in Iran. And uh, El Nazrakabi, people were concerned that she had been disappeared, and she is okay. So I just wanted to shout her name out and say how amazing it is that she is all right. And the Iran Olympic chief is saying that there won't be any punishment coming her way. She was met by a cheering crowd when she returned to Iran. And, you know, that's a long way, a long way. Uh, from people having fears that you are like disappeared. So uh, just very, very glad on that count. Uh, the Just Sit Your Ass Down Award. Sit your ass down. Sit your ass down. Goes to Dan Snyder. Oh man, the boat is starting to take on water. Dan Snyder, the owner of the Washington Commanders, uh, is actually being forced out. I mean, uh, not officially, but one guy, Jim Ursay, uh, a made man, if you will, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, said that he thought Snyder should leave. This is Jim Ursay, by the way, someone who was suspended a couple years ago because the police pulled him over and he had like 80 grand in a bag and uh, a, a bunch of pills. <laughs> and Jim Ursay has the moral high ground over Dan Snyder. Delicious. Uh, so Dan Snyder, it's time to go, man. Sit your ass down. And now we're at the part of the show that everybody loves more than the parts with just me. We're talking about Jacob Zyron, my son, talking to me about various sporting uh, things that are going on in the world. We call it Jake's Takes. Jake, how you doing, sir? I'm great. How are you? Doing great, but you're not doing super great because where are we right now? Oh, we are currently in urgent care. Why are we in urgent care? Because I got injured uh, playing football. Yes, and so it's not his head, it's not his back, uh, but we are going to check out his shoulder. So 
Moving away from that subject to something much more exciting and fun, the National Basketball Association. So the first question I have for you, Jacob, looking at this NBA season, are the awards. Who do you like for MVP for the 2022-23 season? You know, there are a lot of very good candidates for this award, you know. You know, there's Jokic, there's, you could pick Steph. There are a lot of great options. I don't know why I just said those two specifically, because there are a lot of really good ones. But the man I'm going to go to, go with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm. I think the reasons for that are self-explanatory. So let me just ask you real quick, do you have a dark horse candidate? Somebody you think could emerge who nobody's talking about? I have one. As you think about that, I think Jalen Brown could emerge and be an MVP candidate. I also think Carl Anthony Towns could emerge and become an MVP candidate. What about you, Jake? I never picked this. We never did dark horses. Oh, okay. Well, let's cut out the dark horses section. Who do you like for rookie of the year? You know, I like a lot of rookies in this draft class. You know, you have uh, Jalen, not Jalen, Jaden Ivey. Out of Purdue, currently mm. at Detroit, I like him a lot. I Paulo Banchero looks mm. really good. He looks really good. Um, Jabari Smith, you know, Chad Holgram's out for a while, right? The year, the year. But I'm picking none of those wow. very good candidates, as I'm going to pick out of Iowa, Keegan Murray. Ooh, I love that pick. I'm picking Keegan. Keegan Murray because I think he has the some some of the biggest upside out of this entire class. I think he's really good. Well, I love the Keegan Murray pick. Uh-huh. Um, just you know, not that you need my approval, but <laughs> I think it's a great pick. All right, Coach of the Year, who do you like? I like Chris Finch from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Great pick. I love that team this year. You know, they acquired Rudy Gobert in the off season. So I think it was a really good trade for them because I think Cat likes the four more. I think he'll work better at the four. All, all around, I think that team is going to succeed. That's why I'm picking Chris Finch as my coach of the year. Great pick. Cat, uh, for those of you not in the know, is Carl Anthony Towns. Get it? K-A-T. I mention Anthony Edwards. Ooh, the Ant-Man. It's going to be amazing this year. We'll take it to another level, I bet. All right, who do you like for most improved player? Most improved player, you know, there are some people who I was really considering. This was a really hard one for me to pick because I had a lot of guys who were like, oh, should I pick him? Should I pick him? Should I pick him? But I ended up picking Jalen Brunson. Oh. He is in a completely new offense, a completely new team. He doesn't have Luka Doncic taking his shots. It's him. And then it's like a bunch of people who aren't really scorers besides like R.J. Barrett. So I think he could really shine. I think he's going to do really well there. And I think he's going to end up winning most of player. Wow. You know, another player on those Knicks uh, who had a very good first game, wouldn't it be cool if he won, that was Cam Reddish. Did he? Oh, he hit a three to tie the game like oh, at the nice. buzzer. It was, it was dope. Also, like uh, you could say Julius Randle's like a good offensive player, but nah, I didn't really yeah. yeah, I wouldn't have gone there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think he is what's called a millstone around the neck of a team. Okay, yeah. um, I, I think that's it. Oh, no, Depoy, last one, Defensive Player of the Year. I am going to pick the guy who has won a Depoy in the past, who will win many Depoys in the future, who is 
one of the best defensive players in this league right now. He is also my MVP pick. Giannis what? Onto the Kumpo. The double only ever accomplished by Michael Jordan. Of course. Oh, and Giannis too. I think did it the year he won MVP. Yeah, he did. So he that's did. the only two. So he if he does do it again, again, that would be so sick. I do love that team. Let's hear your one through eight because who's going to make the playoffs? We're forgetting about the play-in. That's the nine and ten seed. Oh, but we didn't write down play-ins. Forget well, the play-ins. Nobody cares about the play-ins. No one cares. Who's your top eight in the West? You know, there are a lot of really good teams in this in the West this year. A lot of teams on the rise. A lot of teams on the rise. So, should I go from 8-1 to one or 1-8? to eight? What do you go think? Go 8-1. Eight 8-1. to one. Eight to one. Okay, so in the 8th seed, a little bit of a shocker, but they're healthy this year. They're going to look good. They're going to look scary. I have the Portland Trailblazers. Mm, and I think you have a healthy Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. You have a healthy Anthony Simons. You have Josh Hart. You have Yusuf Nurkic. You have Jeremy Grant. That is a good starting five. Mm-hmm. Those are five above average or better players. Mm-hmm. That is going, it's going to be a good team. Their bench also is kind of solid. I think they'll end up sneaking in, getting that eight seed. Seven. Seven, I have the Dallas Mavericks. They're going to end up making it in somehow. They, there are just better teams ahead of them, you know? There's mm. nothing else to really say. They lost uh, Jalen Brunson in the offseason. They gained Christian Wood which I thought was a nice pickup. So we'll just we'll see how it plays out, but I have them in the seventh seed. You know what they used to call me uh, when I played on the courts? What did they call you? Jewish Wood. Jewish Wood. As opposed to Christian Wood. It's a nice nickname. Get it? I do. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was pretty funny. Number six. Number six, I have a team who has uh, one of the best players in the league a team with a lot of really good players around him. Just there are better teams ahead. The Denver Nuggets. Wow. I don't think I'm surprised you have him that low with yeah. Jamal Murray coming back. Yeah, well I do, because there are better teams ahead of him. What can I say? Well let's talk about one of those teams. Number five. Number five, I have the Memphis Grizzlies. I have them at uh, actually a bit of a, a bit of a fall off, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't think they're gonna be as good as last year. I think that John Morant will he'll, he'll, he'll pump the brakes a little bit, but they're still going to be a good team. Don't sleep on them. I'm not sleeping on them. They're going to do great in the playoffs. Let's just, we'll see how it plays out. Mm, number four. This is where it gets really tough because you have a lot of really good teams. The, my last four, it was really hard to pick this, these four seeds. But at number four, I can't believe I'm saying this. I have to go with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Wow, you have the T-Wolves ahead of the Mavs, the Nuggets, the Grizz. Yeah, well, see, that's my coach of the year right there. That's true. I should have him higher. I really should, but I don't. But they're just just better teams ahead. Number three. My favorite team this year. My... I love this team. My favorite player of all time is on this team. Uh, injured players coming back. It's the Los Angeles. Los Angeles who? Clippers or Lakers? I certainly hope it's the Clippers. It is the... It's the Clippers. Oh, jeez, because the Lakers look like hot booty on a stick. Uh-huh. Number no, two. Have them in the playoffs. No. 
Love John Wall. He's going to be great this year. Oh, my goodness. Uh, gonna... Quick, quick, quick uh, prediction. Stats, uh, points, and assists for John Wall. 16. Uh, six. Okay. Uh, four. Ooh. Uh, one point, no, one, uh, point five. One steal, point five blocks. On, um, like, 44, 31, and, like, 80 splits. Nice. Wow, you really went into it. Um, all right, so who's number two, then? Number two? We are down to the last two teams. I already disagree with one of these teams, even though I don't know who one and two are going to be. Well, just so you guys know, my one seed Ugh. is actually my father's oh. eight seed. <laughs> it's his eight seed. Very crazy to me. Damn. Two, I have the Golden State Warriors. Love that team. Love Steph. They did get, of course, in that altercation. Mm-hmm. Team chemistry might be taking a little plummet, but I think they're still going to be really great. Number one, the Phoenix Suns. I can't believe it. They're the gonna Phoenix fall. Suns. They're gonna fall off like bell-bottom jeans in the eighties. Okay. Well, let's. Uh, I would love to see that. Let's see that. Let's make it interesting right now. Um, will they be? This is a good bet. Will they be closer to the eighth seed? Or the one seed. In other words, if they finish four, you win the bet. If they finish five, I win I the bet. I would bet like $200. Hey, it's not a money bet. Oh. Dishes for a week. Dishes for four months. No, no, no. Too rich for my blood. What? I can't do dishes for four months. It's too much. How about two weeks of dishes? Two months. One month? One month. One month of dishes. If they finish five or less... Uh huh. Okay. I win. If they finish one through four, you win. This is such an easy this bet. This is such an easy bet this for, me. for me. For me. For me. For me. <sighs> Let's go to the East. Who do you like? Casuals. The casuals. I hate casuals. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. I do hate casuals. Uh, in the East. In the East. The eighth seed. A team that has been good for many years. They were great at one point. The Toronto Raptors. Okay, interesting. I'll wait for the Wizards. I have them as my sixth seed. <laughs> See, look at these casuals. They're yeah. My favorite team, I don't even have them in here. Casuals who like the Raptors at eight. Number seven. Uh, I have the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, the Most people are I, picking them higher than seven. Yeah, because of that accu- accusation. Acquisition. Uh, acquisition, sorry. It's okay. Acquisition of DeJounte Murray. It's putting them up. Mm-hmm. So I have them at seven. Number six. Actually, yeah, seven. Number six. Wait, wait, where did you have the Celtics? The Celtics? You had them at eight. I had them at like seven or something. Yeah, that's really crazy. Number six, I have the Brooklyn Nets. They are not that good of a team. No. But, they all hate each other and but, the coach. But they have KD and they have Kyrie and they have Ben Simmons. So they mm. have to do something. So six is where they are. That team is very good for Brooklyn. A lot of people in their 20s who hate their jobs. Zing. Number five. Number five. The Boston Celtics, who Indeed. this guy has at like eight. Damn. I don't know why you made him drop so low after just losing this, their head coach. Because they lost losing, their coach. I know losing their head coach, you know, it, it means a lot to a team. But this is still the two-seed Boston Celtics from last year. And they got Malcolm Brogdon. They didn't really lose anybody. And they got Malcolm and Brogdon. And they have Malcolm Brogdon loves. now. Everybody I loves. really should have them actually at four. Okay, have them at four. 
Okay, Celtics at my four. four. And who's your Sixers five? Sixers at five. Horribly coached team, the Sixers. Yeah. Uh, Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers. Doing a horrible job already. Yeah. Uh, Joel Embiid got booed in their home op- or their second game. Yeah. Um, go for it. Now we got number three. I, I think I know who your three is going to be, my, and it makes me really happy. My favorite team in the East this year, not including my Washington Wizards, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, I love that pick. What do you like about them? I love Darius Garland. I love Donovan Mitchell. I love Jared Allen. I love that entire Evan Mobley team. Evan Mobley. Well, I don't like Evan Mobley that much. Oh. But I love that team. And I love their coach. And I think that they are going to do really well in the regular season. Number two. Number two. I have the horrible haircut. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Horrible haircut led Jimmy Butler led Miami Heat. Ah, good pick. They're solid. They always will be. Number one. Uh, I have the Milwaukee Bucks. Yep, Giannis. Going ham. Uh-huh. I, I just realized something. In your Western picks, you didn't have a team that I'm probably the highest on to make a leap. The Pellies, the New Orleans Pelicans. Are you not really feeling them? Nah, I'm not. Wow. You think you think there's going to be injury issues? Because I if they have be a healthy Nazi. Zion, they're going to be tough. I think they're going to be Nazi. C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram. Mm, We'll see. Well, Well, those are the NBA picks, and thank you so much for that, Jacob, I must say. Well, that's all the time we have on this week's show. Thank you so much, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, thank you so much to the producer of this podcast, David Tigaboo. You know, y'all could support us on Patreon. That's all I'm saying. Patreon.com slash Edge of Sports Pod. Support the pod. Uh, for everybody out there listening, though, we love you. Stay frosty. We are out of here. Peace.